and welcome to Cult Movie Cult, where we watch and discuss the horrific, the obscure, and the flat-out strange from the other side of cinema. I'm Mark Dickerson. And I'm Jeremy Fink, and today we're coming at you with a brand new series. It's time to fire up your VCR and blow the dust off those game cartridges. This is 8-Bit at Blockbuster, 90s video game movie adaptations. Hey, hey guys. Cheer up. Stay with your words. Ain't got no water. Hey, wait a minute, you can't arrest a guy by just singing a song? For anti-Koopa songs, we can. Uh-huh. Plumbers! No, he is. I'm just apprenticing. Get in the car! But I didn't do Get nothing! In the car. Are you telling us that you can arrest a guy for being a plumber? Get out of here! Get, Get in there, plumber! Name! Mario. Last name? Mario. Okay, what's your name? Luigi. Luigi Luigi? No, Luigi Mario. Okay, how many Marios are there between the two of you? There's three. There's, there's Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. I'll kill that plumber! Trust the fungus. Trust the fungus. Super Mario Bros., also known as Super Mario Bros. The Movie, is a 1993 adventure comedy film loosely based on the Mario video game series by Nintendo. This was the first feature-length live-action film to be based on a video game. The film was directed by the husband and wife team of Rocky Morton and Annabelle Jenkel, written by Parker Bennett, Terry Runte, and Ed Solomon. Uh, it follows the story of the Mario Brothers, played by Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo, in their quest to rescue Princess Daisy, played by Samantha Mathis, from a dystopic parallel universe ruled by the ruthless President Koopa, played brilliantly by the great, <laughs> rest in peace, Dennis yeah, Hopper. As always. <laughs> All right. So we wanted to start off the year with a fun series, right, Jeremy? We just wanted to kind of mm-hmm. not take anything too seriously right now, just because we haven't done a, uh, an actual series in a while. We've done a couple specials and things like that. Um, so we wanted to get back into doing series again, and we thought this would be a good idea, uh, 90s video game adaptations, because um, there are four big ones to talk about, um, and Super Mario Brothers from 1993 was actually the, the, has the distinction of being the first adaptation of a video game on the screen. Um, so this was the first time it was even attempted, which you can kind of tell <laughs> from watching it. Um, yes. There's a lot of like firsts and kind of figuring out what to even do, I guess, would be the best way to describe it uh, going on mm-hmm. with this movie. Uh, a lot of yeah. behind the scenes things to discuss. So uh, we're not going to be discussing uh, stories too much here, Not certainly not beat by beat or anything like that. Uh, more just going to be talking about the actors, uh, the story they ended up going with to film the movie, and of course the behind the scenes uh, intrigue that was going on. Uh, there was a lot to, to discuss, so we'll kind of just jump right into it. Um, first, by giving our impressions, and I, mm-hmm. I, I will be the first to say, I kind of like this movie. It's really yeah. weird. <laughs> it's a really weird movie, yep. um, mm-hmm. which, you know, cult movies, this is, uh, I, this is now considered a cult film. At the time, like many cult films, it was considered a bomb and mm-hmm. did not do well in the box office. But, you know, with time and people looking back on it, people start to think, hey, you know, they had some interesting ideas. Um, and, it's, and it is really weird. So it just kind of sticks out as being sort of like an anomaly, um, especially being based on a, such a famous franchise like that this, you know, the Mario Brothers video games have become um, to see this sort of like early incarnation or adaptation of it is really interesting, I think. Um, Wikipedia says loosely based on, which I think is, is definitely accurate for this. That's, but Yeah, that, the, the um, key term is, is loosely. Loosely, yeah. So, Jeremy, <laughs> I, I, I have to hear your thoughts on seeing this because you've never seen this movie before. So, and yeah, I so know a few what you things. Yeah. <laughs> definitely definitely <laughs> a, lot, a lot of thoughts and responses. Yeah. So, first off, I was looking at the release date because uh, I, I was born in 1993, and this movie was released six days after I was born. Oh, so it's wow, interesting. okay, I didn't realize it, that. It's, in, it's okay. interesting to know uh, what was going on in the world mm-hmm. when you enter the world, and apparently this uh, Super this Mario was going on. What was going on? Um, <laughs> it explains I a lot, was, Jeremy, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I thought this was a crazy 
piece of work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I grew up playing the Mario video games, um, but because, you know, like, like I said, I was kind of born in the thick of it. I wasn't an early adapter or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they were kind of already established culturally. Uh, so my experience with the, the Super Mario Bros. and Super Smash Bros. and all that growing up, um, and, and then later on Mario Kart and, you know, all the, all the iterations of the game, um, I never, I guess I never really thought of it too much as a narrative. In my mind, they were always kind of mm-hmm. more just these, these fun characters, yeah. and I never even really gave too much consideration. Um, and, you know, full disclaimer, I was not a huge gamer growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I like playing video games, but I wasn't deep, deep into it, which is why this series should be interesting, because <laughs> uh, I'm going to get an education as we go along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, um, qu- the question is, was there really a story? I mean, to yeah, me, exactly. it was more... I mean, we'll talk about it more, but I think it was more just when they were creating this game, it was so early on in video game development even that they were kind of just putting these elements together to make an an engaging and challenging video game. They weren't Mm -hmm. really, I mean, I'm speaking for Nintendo, of course, but I I don't believe that they had much in mind as far as lore or story or world building or anything like that. Um, So yeah, yeah, that's why, but that's why I think one of the reasons this movie is so interesting and yeah jeremy i, I guess i always forget how much younger you are than me i, w- <laughs> I was born in 1984 so mm-hmm. i am like probably the peak demographic for this yeah kind of i was thing. gonna say you're probably yeah <laughs> so um and i definitely you know i i really do enjoy video games even to this day i still like i'll break out whatever the old games i'll play them or even some newer stuff um and i definitely played games back then when i was younger um but oddly this movie uh went under my radar i guess i don't know maybe i was just at a weird age for it where i wasn't really going to the theater much or whatever i mean i guess a lot of people didn't go to the theater for this one but um i don't think i even rented this movie like at blockbuster or anything i don't really remember doing that like actually i discovered it uh way later i was definitely aware of it i remember seeing the commercials for it in the trailers and being like oh that looks weird like that doesn't look like mario Mm -hmm. brothers like that doesn't look like how i would picture of yeah. Mario Brothers movie looking which apparently a lot of people had that same thought um mm-hmm. but yeah so I don't I don't really remember it much from back then but you know through the years I've I kind of visited or revisited it or whatever just kind of checked it out and and even this latest time watching it I just I think there's so many interesting things going on that it it, it is very entertaining um mm-hmm. and of course knowing like reading about all the behind the scenes stuff that was going on and it just like it, to me it's just one of those movies that stands out that's just very uh, yeah, I guess interesting is the word, uh, for lack of a better word. It's just um, there's a lot to dig into. So yeah, it's it's an incredibly surreal piece of work. Like I don't, like, I am thinking about it right now, and like I think one of the biggest pitfalls of the movie is probably not even a creative thing. It's more just that it was had to be tied to Super yeah, Mario Bros. Exactly, it kind yeah. of didn't meet that expectation because mm-hmm. when you when you look at the base story, like. The idea, in terms of like a cult film idea, mm-hmm. which not that they were trying to make a cult film, no. um, as we've <laughs> talked about before, generally when someone sets out trying to make a cult film, they never work. are able to make a good cult film. Uh-huh. Um, but like in terms of a cult film concept, the idea of two plumbers tra- being transported to this... First of all, like, I, I love that it was set in Brooklyn. I feel like during yeah. the 90s, you had, like, you know, Home Alone 2 and all these, these yeah. kind of movies that were always in New York City, but it, it, they were kind of written as if the outer boroughs didn't exist. And I, I actually live currently in uh-huh. a very Italian neighborhood in Brooklyn. Um, and so this, I mean, this this was cinema verite to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. Parts <laughs> of it, I was like, oh yeah, that's, you know, they, that, some of these details, they, they understood their... Scapelli you know, their... plumbing is right next door to you. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, but like just this idea of these, these kind of very Brooklyn, yeah. kind of grimy dudes yeah, yeah. going to fight a... a an evil ruler in a world where people who look like people are descended from dinosaurs, dinosaurs. Yeah. and you know that people wild. can be turned into mold. It's a very like it's a really yeah. bizarre. And also, I thought this movie like if I saw this when I was eight years old, I would have been terrified. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah because like, actually my my daughter who's uh, she's a little over three years old. She walked in during some of it, and I was like, hey, this is Mario Brothers, like, because she had seen them. I had, like, a T-shirt that had, like, the Mario Brothers on it, and <laughs> so she'd always point at them and, like, be like, hey, there they are. So I was like, there they are on screen, and she was like, I don't like this. Like, she was, yeah, like, no. hiding her eyes. I'm like, yeah, I guess it's a little gruesome for a kid, you know. It's, it's, it, but that's mm-hmm. funny, like, because I'm sure they were, they were setting out to make a family film, 
But I think I think part of the reason it didn't work is because so many different people behind the scenes had so many different ideas of what the movie should be. And mm-hmm. I totally agree with you, Jeremy. I think its biggest fall is that it had to be a Mario Brothers film. Yeah. It had to tie to the video games, which mm-hmm. it's like they took that idea and they just made the craziest thing possible from it. I don't know how else to explain mm-hmm. it. So, um, But let's dig right in. So now, again, loosely based on the video game. So if you took all the elements from the original Nintendo video games, which at this point, I believe there was three of them. There was the mm-hmm. first one, the second one, and then uh, the third one, which I think had come out pretty recently at this time, like fairly recently. Um, so, you know, huge games, like obviously like video games were blowing up at this time. Um, and also at this time, we had like the Ninja Turtles movie and um, mm-hmm. and Batman, you know, things that were taking these things that were that used to be known as like maybe for younger people or kids and making these sort of darker um visceral kind of raw films out of them um and i think they were going for that sort of an that sort of edge to the film which you Mm -hmm. can kind of tell with how like this you know dystopian it is and it's very dark film i mean there's hardly any color in it until they get their (laughs) patented uh mario brothers costumes i guess at the Mm end Um, so yeah, just to see it from that sort of angle is, is interesting. Um, but again, if you took all the elements or most of the elements from the original games and tried to actually adapt them, I mean, I guess my thought when I was watching it is, would it even be interesting? Like, I think maybe this take is more interesting than if they had just taken like, Mm -hmm. cause what else would it be? You know, just jumping on the heads of these little Goombas or whatever. Uh, I don't Mm -hmm. know. So I think maybe... It, that's why I think maybe it's gotten more credit recently than it used to, because I think people look at it now and say they were actually trying to do something different, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And also at this point, again, it was very early on um, in the franchise of the Mario brothers and, and uh, really actually all the films that we'll be discussing in this series. I think the, the, be- the most interesting aspect is that is like trying to make, is taking this source material, which hasn't been around for that long and trying to make it, makes sense as a as a film mm-hmm. and form it into a narrative and uh especially before a lot of the lore or the story like the world building or whatever you want to call it was even inst- established at this point um because throughout the years you know i think nintendo has added a lot to the mario brothers series and and their other video games and i think they've kind of built out the world a little bit more and mm-hmm. and now it sort of makes sense in its own way but at this time it was really just a little 8-bit character on screen running around and you know, running from left to right and jumping on enemies. And, you know, yeah, there were some well, weird it, it, reptilian like enemies, I guess. But they kind of took that and made it into the more the actual dinosaurs from this film. Yeah, well, it almost seems like um, it, it seems like they were kind of both ahead of their time and like not quite ready because mm-hmm. it, it almost feels like, I, you know, looking looking at it retroactively, it feels like the move probably would have been to create like a Pokemon-esque cartoon series. Or something right. like that, where like mm-hmm. Mario and Luigi are yeah, going would, on adventures. You would think animated, right? So, like, so the, uh, the move to initially. go straight live action is like yeah. a really like like it's just it it I can I am just I would be so curious to hear what those initial conversations. Yeah. You know, I I know we're talking a little bit less about the movie itself and a little bit more about kind of how this movie came to be and what it is. But but it is just such a, a fascinating uh, curio. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's such a it's because you, you it's it's just not something. That kind of makes sense, but mm-hmm. that's what makes it so fun and wonderful. Is yeah. it's, it's just this this real melting pot of ideas where they just because because yeah, and it, it's it's so interesting too. Like you mentioned, is how do you get kind of from point A to B? Mm-hmm. You know, like 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 what mind looked at those video games? Like I mean, I guess I understand the logic. All right, it's a couple of Italian guys mm-hmm. uh, who are plumbers, so it makes perfect sense to stick them in in a city. Mm-hmm. Um, where there are, you know, probably a lot of other Italian guys. And then once they're in a city, oh, well, you know, a city's going to have this kind of grimy aesthetic. Yeah. So, like, I, I can kind of see the train of thought, but at the same time is, like, how they got all the way. Yeah. Uh, apparently they were going for, like, a Wizard of Oz-type vibe, mm-hmm. at least early on. That's what, That was, like, the initial idea, which I think makes sense, especially yeah. when there isn't much story to go off of you know you, you mm-hmm. have to do something with it so it's almost like okay so we have this separate world they go into like a parallel universe sort of thing yeah um and that kind of makes the film for you because that kind of like builds the story for you um mm-hmm. and I, I do think it's an interesting idea like if, you know having human beings in, evolve from uh dinosaurs instead of uh instead of 
you know, mammals or like, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sorry, pri- like primates, apes. So, and I like this, <laughs> the beginning starts off with like Brooklyn 65 million years ago. Yeah. Um, it's just like a funny way to start a movie. And like, I, I, like it, it, but that does make it unique. Like you said, like Brooklyn, you don't see it all the time in the movies and you see yeah. Manhattan a lot, but you don't see Brooklyn. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, especially that now, now you see it because, you know, like, well, now Lena it's Dunham, more, but yeah, but yeah, I, but, I thought um, that the, the opening was very Terrence Malick. Yeah, it was. You know? <laughs> Which like, I, think, we're, we're... I think it was added on later, that opening, but I, I do like it. Yeah. It's just so odd. Like, I think it's the voice of Homer Simpson doing the, the narration. It's yeah. just very goofy. Um, I just think it's great that we're, we're, you know, they're not like, oh, we're going to jump back and give you a little backstory. They're like, we're going all the way back. We're going all the way back, yeah. We're going all the way back. But you do kind of need that that um, yeah. explanation, I feel like. Because even after watching mm-hmm. the film, I'm still a little confused about some of the, the plot points, but... Yeah, it's like they, they go all the way back <laughs> to when dinosaurs are on the earth and the comet hits, but or or does the comet hit? I think it's like some, there's something different that happens. Or when the comet hits, it creates some, some sort of parallel uh, rift or something like that, some sort of mm-hmm. parallel universe. And um, But yeah, I like that it's it's set in Brooklyn and I like that it's like these two working class kind of plumbers, you know? Like I think that's... Yeah. I've always... I actually like that kind of uh, gruff New Yorker take on the Plumber Brothers because... Yeah. Um, it's actually similar to the so there was something before this there was the series that started in the 80s and it went into the 90s I believe with uh, featuring Captain Lou Albano have you ever seen that series uh, not. Jeremy okay no so that depicts them uh, the Mario Brothers as two Brooklyn plumbers like that's that's how oh, they, really? like, okay. they just live in an apartment and like odd things happen and there's actually animated segments as well um, but that take I've always kind of liked that more than where Nintendo has actually taken the series in the rec- more mm-hmm. recent years, where, where he's like, he kind of speaks with like, hey, it's a me, Mario, like that kind of like a stereotypical like Italian accent. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just, I thought like the idea of like these gruff, like working class uh, New Yorkers, like going into this odd world, I've always thought that was more like compelling, I guess. So I actually mm-hmm. like that, that they use that take for this earlier uh, film. Yeah. No, so, I did too. Yeah. Um, it was a little jarring at first. I, like, like I said, I, I know a little bit less, or I would probably say significantly less about this kind of universe than, than you do, Mark. But I, it was a little jarring I probably at know first way because, too much about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, because I was kind of re- – which I think is why this will be an interesting discussion because I'm just having, like, this <laughs> gut reaction to it with no context. Right. And you're, you know, yeah, no, that's, um, yeah, it's good. But, but I, I, like, when, when Mario started speaking, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Like at what point? Right. Yeah. Like, you're like in my mind, to the, yeah, the other voice. Yeah. Right? In my mind, I'm like going through this story, trying to figure out, like, all right, like, how are they gonna work this out? So his voice has to go up five octaves. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, how, how are by they the gonna make the that film, work? Yeah. <laughs> by the end of the film, yeah, he's like, yeah, and then by the end, of, oh, it's me. You know, like, how, how's that gonna happen? Right. So imagine what. Yeah. So, but I, so I think the only versions of the Mario brothers at this point were like the more uh, gruff New Yorker type yeah, take on it. Because also there was, again, I know way too much about all this stuff, but there was also like an anime that came out, I believe mm-hmm. around the same time. Okay. Well, I think it was before this film, I believe, but it was like, uh, it was another take on it. That was similar. Uh, the voiceover was like that sort of voice as, as well. So I think maybe that's mm-hmm. just where, where Mario was at at that point. That's, you know, that's how they portrayed him. Um, so, yeah, but taking that and then the juxtaposition between this, this strange dystopian world they go into, uh, which I definitely want to talk about the world. But before we mm-hmm. do that, let's talk about the actors, because I feel like that's like a huge mm-hmm. part of this of this movie and why it is such a cult film. Um, so you have Bob Hoskins and John Leguizambo as the Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting choice. I love Bob Hoskins. Um, he's great in, in Who Framed Roger Rabbit uh, as mm-hmm. well. And, you know, he's he's actually it's funny because he has like this cockney, like, you know, British voice in, in, in real life. But in, he's always he kind of plays these gruff, like uh, yeah. these types of characters so well, like he does it in, in Two Frame Roger Rabbit as well. But um, he, I think he's, he's really he's, good. He's kind of like he's, yeah. he's kind of like the, the human version. If you like lit a cigar yeah. Yeah. and like dipped it into a glass of whiskey and then just drank <laughs> the whole thing, you know, like I thought you were going to say the human version of Mario because. Yeah, that's, no, no, that's he's true, like, yeah. <laughs> he's just like, like, and I feel like you, you saw a lot of that in kind of these 90s, all these particularly, not that this was animated, but coming from a video game movie, it kind of, to me, still feels like it's in the same world 
as like a Space Jam yeah. or a Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like it's yeah. like it's in that same the the same spirit of those movies. And yeah. all those movies had this kind of cigar chomping. Yeah, they have like these like, middle aged guys and like jazz. Yeah, you know? which is weird because those were the kids' movies of the time. Like, yeah, it, 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 it is an odd choice. It's almost like they just like I don't know. They would just cast older back then. They would have older actors. But I yeah, like. It's, I mean, it's I like, think it works like so well. But but also like it could be argued that John Leguizamo is sort of like. He's sort of like more the main character in this movie. Yeah, you know, and he's like the younger guy, and um, yeah, definitely Gets the not, girl. Definitely not no. Italian, but <laughs> I guess neither no. is Bob Hoskins. So you know, at, no, at, yeah, I, yeah, I never, yeah. So he's like a Spanish take on uh, <laughs> on an, an Italian, and actually John Leguizamo said like he's had a funny comment about it, like saying something like, "Oh, you know, we we've had Italians playing uh, Latinos like in Scarface yeah. with Al Pacino and stuff like that." So yeah, this is this is, <laughs> this is our take on it, yeah. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I think um, they oddly like that combination somehow works between the two. You kind mm-hmm. of believe that they are brothers, or at least close closely related in some way um, yeah you know, I, I could have seen like like an uncle and a, a nephew yeah like bob hoskins yeah. does seem so much older than him but yeah um mm-hmm. they never really say like i mean i guess they have the same last name <laughs> mario yeah. mario and luigi, mario, luigi um, mario which was another thing they made up for the movie i believe i don't think that was even like a i think they just kind of were like all right they're the mario brothers so they both have the same last <laughs> name um but mario mario yep um and then so we have those those two as the main stars, which is interesting. And then we have, um, so then we have Dennis Hopper, which we've, we've talked about him before in this show about, um, uh, at least a couple times, I'm sure we've brought him up. Yeah. Um, what was, uh, River's Edge. He was in that. We mm-hmm. talked about that movie. Um, great as always. Uh, mm-hmm. obviously no clue what the hell he was doing. Uh, as with <laughs> all the actors, I think did, nobody knew what was going on, uh, what they had signed on for. And apparently this, they, the script they signed on for, uh, was not the script that they even ended up filming, so that we'll talk about that too. But yeah, so uh, Dennis Hopper, uh, what did you think about him, Jeremy? In this? I mean, so I'm I'm kind of a Dennis Hopper diehard. Oh um, yeah, I love him, especially when he's playing some kind of villain. Yeah. Or like, I mean, we we we, we talked about unhinged. it before. Yeah. Yeah, like we talked about it before, but like the Blue movie Velvet. that got me into movies was Blue Velvet. Yeah. So getting to see Dennis Hopper be evil is like, yeah. it's like my birthday. It's, it's just the greatest thing. And so, so you know, he, you know, obviously there. I think some of the, some of the dialogue in this movie, you could tell he was kind of, uh, like there was there was some kind of expositional dialogue that you could tell was maybe giving him a little bit of a <laughs> you hard see time. Him like almost wincing trying to get through some of the dialogue. Yeah, because because yeah. he's like like there there are there are there are points especially early on when he's essentially his character is tasked with laying out his evil plan, but the evil plan is kind of more there to just fill the audience in and let us know. Makes no sense. I still don't understand why he wants to merge the two worlds. I still, like, I've racked my brain. I'm like, why does he want to, like, I guess just to rule more worlds, or I guess the world that they inhabit is so crappy that they want a different world? Yeah, so so the way I interpreted it was that he was kind of... um, he, I, I guess he well, I guess felt we like say he plays. So he plays President Koopa, yeah. who's like the tyrannical like. Hep- or I believe is it President or King Koopa? I, I think so. He's King Koopa in the video games, but they made him okay. president. So that was one of the mm-hmm. alterations they made. But you know, I thought it, it made sense in the in this film at least uh, to make him like the. But he's sort of like more like a. It's, he's more like a dictator, obviously. This is basically a dictatorship that they've yeah. entered into. Um, and and King, he's also King a, Koopa... a descendant of T T Rex. He's like, uh, so he's like half reptilian, sort of. Um, yeah. Yeah, but he's like King, the, the King ruler Koopa, of this, this dimension. Yeah, King Koopa is Bowser, no? Yeah, so he's also Bowser. Okay. Um, I think he's so. I think at that time he was called King Koopa, and I think that actually changed. I think now mm-hmm. they call him Bowser, but at that mm-hmm. time he was known as King Koopa. So yeah, because um, yeah, I, I grew he, up he with always, Bowser. Yeah, so he was always like the antagonist of the series. I mean, that's that's since the very mm-hmm. beginning, since the yeah. very first game when you uh, encounter him at the end of every castle level in the game he's always on the bridge shooting mm-hmm. flames at you so yeah. um yeah so he's like the main bad guy um but anyway sorry to to cut you off but i want i do want to i want to hear more what you think about that yeah but yeah so it was like you know i so i think i think what how i understood him trying to take over is he almost felt for lack of a better term kind of colonized by the mammals like it was like it was there it was there planet it was there brooklyn oh okay um yeah. and then the, this uh this this meteor came and sent them to this kind of parallel dimension underworld. Mm-hmm. And I guess he generationally is feeling still kind of raw about, you yeah. know, 65, mil- 65 <laughs> million so, yeah. years later. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah talk true. about a, a grudge. You know, he's really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's also and, sort and, of like, well, it's definitely dystopian, but he also mentions, I guess this world is sort of like Dune-like. They never show anything else from the world, but he mentions, yeah. there's one scene where he actually points to a globe and he mentions, <laughs> like, beyond the city, it's just dirt. It's just sand dirt, and dirt, yeah. like, a, like a desert. Mm-hmm. So I guess, like, I guess it's almost like in, uninhabitable, this world they live in. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, it seems, and, it, you know, it's like their resources seem kind of sparse. Yeah. They can't build cars with brakes Fossil for some fuels, reason. Fossil fuels, haha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, 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 you know, it kind of, it kind of just seems like he, he wanted to, which I guess is, is in a weird way, if we're, if we're breaking down this character, a kind of weird loyalty to his people, because he's kind of like, hey, I want to take this over, so we can, we can have like all this good stuff, but at the same time, it seems like he was kind of a, an evil dictator Mm -hmm. ruling over uh, everybody. So his motivations were a little vague. Although it seemed like really at the end of the day, it was kind of just like he discovered that there was more he could conquer. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I can conquer this dirty thing. Like, imagine how cool it'll be if I can conquer, you know, the the like the, the nice yeah. thing. I do love how he says mammals, too. Like, mammals. He, mammals. Just, he just hates them so much. He just hates um, mammals. But yeah, I mean, he's a good villain. I You know, he's, yeah. he's a typical like early 90s kind of, you know, he's almost like an 80s villain. Um, yeah, he's definitely like, menacing. suits that he has on and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, there was a lot of comparisons, not to get too political. We don't really get political on the show, but there was a lot of comparisons when Trump was president. Um, a lot of Koopa. <laughs> I swear, like all of a sudden I started seeing King Koopa things everywhere. There was a lot of comparisons. I, I'm just going to throw that out there. It that's was, hilarious. It was very interesting. <laughs> that's really, yeah, that's really funny. It actually got people like sort of talking about this movie again in, uh, in an odd way. So, um, well. and it, this movie has had sort of a resurgence, which I'll talk about uh, at the end. Um, but so we, we talked about the cast a little bit. I do want to talk about the directors, like the creative team behind the movie, the writers as mm-hmm. well, um, because that's a huge part of it. So, because there is a reason why this world looks the way it does. Um, so it's the directors were actually a married team of uh, their names are Annabelle Jankel and Rocky Morton, and they're both from England. So they're, they're both British um, filmmakers. I think they did a lot of music videos and things like that, but they're mm-hmm. primarily known for the TV movie and the series Max Headroom, which have you seen that at all? Or do you know anything I about Max not. Headroom? Okay, I, I've heard of it. I'm kind of looking at some of the images right now, and yeah. it looks very interesting. So that if you watch Max Headroom, it looks like the world of Mario Brothers, like it, it mm-hmm. uh, in the movie anyway. Um, it looks yeah, it's it's very like Blade Runner esque sci fi mm-hmm. uh, dystopian world that they created. And Max Headroom is, is you know that has a lot of cred. Like it's really well known, uh, high quality kind of, of of production, and the design, like the look and design of of that show. And the movie, like when you look at that and then you look at, at this movie, it just totally makes sense um, of why they went that direction, I guess. Um, so the world um, itself, I mean, what did you think of the of the parallel world with the um, with Koopa's so, reign and everything? Did you think like I mean, like just not really knowing about Max Headroom or anything, did, I guess, like, did, was that very jarring, I guess, to see that or? So I, I love this aesthetic. Uh, the movie that it kept bringing to mind, um, which they're probably not similar, but you, you know, you know how it is. Like you see movies when you're like a kid and something about the feeling will kind of ingrain itself in your head, mm-hmm. uh, and you come back to it. I kept thinking of the Dick Tracy movie for some reason. <laughs> I just watched that again recently. Yeah. And kind of like, like there's something about this vibe of like a really surreal griminess. Mm-hmm that i just love i just devour yeah. it. it's so it's yeah. so fun i mean I'm, I'm a big 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 film noir lover mm-hmm. and I, I have been for a, a long time and i think like like i love i love whenever someone's able to incorporate film noir in an inventive way um mm-hmm. and i and i thought that this film essentially was a you know a a, a, a film noir yeah um and again uh going back to like Batman, the original Batman 1989 when that mm-hmm. came out, and the Ninja Turtles movie, uh, sorry, Teenage yeah. Mutant Ninja Turtles movie when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, very dark tones, and even Dick Tracy with all the, the primary colors and how vibrant yeah. it was, it still had that very dark tone yeah. to it. Another, another good cigar chomping. Yeah. I mean, I think, Baby, I think that, I mean, <laughs> that we, should, we should coin a coin, uh, coin the genre that this, this set of films in it's the early cigar 90s chomper. were the, the cigar chompers. Yeah, yeah, I like it. It's true, and I, you know, and I don't know why they went that direction. I guess maybe because I think part of it was like, so they, 
I think they a lot of people in the industry, in the film industry at least, had this perception that video games are for kids, comic books are for kids. So let's bring some some older actors, some esteemed actors. We got you know Warren Beatty, mm -hmm. we have Bob Hoskins, you know, and, and uh, you know let's let's bring these older people, act, these actors in, and, and maybe we'll get. Yeah people thinking that, hey, maybe this is for adults as well as kids, mm -hmm. or, you know, I'm not sure exactly what the thinking was. Mm -hmm. Now I think a lot of these properties and these franchises, these video games and, and comic book things, obviously comic books uh, can stand on their own and they don't need to think that yeah. way. But I think at that time, maybe that's where their head was at. Uh, it was because it was it, so early on with all these types of films, you know? Yeah, I think they landed on a really interesting thing, though, in, in all these movies. And, and you know, once again, the, the focus of this particular one is Super Mario Bros. But, you know, when you talk about a movie, you talk about the time it yeah. came out and in the movies that were around it. And I think that it is a really interesting thing when, when you look at this, this idea that they didn't quite know how to sell these kind of kids, kind of adult properties. Mm -hmm. um, but I think because of that, what they a lot of these movies are really inventive because they had the kind of cinematic seriousness of an adult movie like they looked really good mm -hmm. you know like like this i mean this movie this movie is beautifully shot mm -hmm. like the production yeah. design and everything oh, is wanted, phenomenal yeah not to cut you off again i just wanted to mention mm -hmm. sorry there's a lot of information about this film I'm trying, no, no, yeah, please. I'm trying to fit as much in as i can but you mentioned the production design um so this movie actually has the same art director as blade runner which okay makes that makes sense. total sense absolutely yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I actually forgot that until i read it um after this last time i watched it and i was like ah okay mm -hmm. so because yeah, yeah this world stunning. is like very mm -hmm. dark dystopian it's like cyberpunk sort of um mm -hmm. i guess before that was even a thing really but um and they definitely called upon their experience developing and shooting max headroom you should check out max headroom jeremy i think you. Would yeah, yeah i'd like to it has that, that kind yeah. of aesthetic to it um but it's also mixed with like this reptilian human hybrid things and this strange fungus which we'll talk about as well going mm -hmm. on so it has like and i you know when i read about how um the art director went about doing it he actually said that he had like free like he's never had so much freedom to kind of do what he yeah. wanted and he had this really cool space to work in it was like bigger than any studio he could have worked in it was like some sort of like mm -hmm. converted thing with like concrete everywhere and stuff so he loved, yeah. like, he, I think he just kind of, like, got into it as much as he could and, and really went for it. And you can tell it um, with the set design and, and production design and everything. It really looks cool. I mean, yeah, it's pretty um, stunning. Unique, it's like, sure. like, like, I'm just looking at some images just from the movie, particularly of, like, the wides of the city. And, like, the, the, the detail is pretty breathtaking. You know, yeah. like, like, the, like there's the a lot little, of, uh, there's, like, the, the scaffoldings and there's different levels and, and things like that. Yeah, the scaffolding, yeah. the the lighting, the kind of neon. Like mm. even I'm looking at the detail, there's like like the way the street lights are set up, they're like these pointy kind of they almost look like the tips of arrows. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the cars, the cars, like those cars, yeah, cars. were like a combination <laughs> of like a DeLorean and <laughs> yeah. uh Mad Max, you yeah. know, it's like uh like they're really and it's pretty it's pretty outstanding. Even like the signs like I'm seeing here, there's a big vote for Koopa sign, which kind of brings to mind almost like um like they live. You know, yeah. like, yeah. like like there there there's really a lot of cool visuals I, I think i think the, the thing like the, the story is confusing but yeah. this is one of those movies which ultimately is probably where they found their audience even if it wasn't intended that mm -hmm. like it's totally just made for people who are like hanging out eating pizza with their mm -hmm. friends maybe like smoking a bong you know <laughs> smoking something like, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's like because it, 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 it's uh, not it's not really a kid's movie it's, it's mm -hmm. kind of a movie that's just like a visual feast that's just mm -hmm. so fun to get lost in and yeah the story's I mean, not as important as you know the, the the vibe the effects and the production design actually they they got a lot of accolades they were actually considered to be they were almost nominated for an oscar i believe but I, really I think nightmare before christmas came out at the same mm -hmm. time and obviously that got nominated over it but yeah um yeah this movie even at the time even though it was known as like a, a box office bomb or whatever and was sort of a failure um i was reading a lot of like uh you know reviews and, and critics from the time that's that they all mentioned that there is a lot to to enjoy about the film just visually, like just the way it looked. Mm -hmm. And even with the digital effects that were start, starting to be at this time uh, integrated into the, into films more, this was sort of like a pioneer, oddly enough. Um, they used like some software, uh, I forget what it's called now, but um, is that now it's, it became like the standard after this and like, you know, for um, like CGI mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So they were, you know, I think visually they had a lot going on and like with the effects and, and stuff like that. And even with the world, like, honestly, I wanted to see more of it. Like I, yeah, there's a scene in like a nightclub sort of space or, or dance mm -hmm. club, whatever it is. 
and I was like, this is cool. Like, I want to see like the bars and stuff. Like, I want to see like what this world yeah. looks like. It's almost like a like a Star Wars kind of thing. It, it, <laughs> like, you know what it is? It almost feels like there should be a, a video game that exists totally in that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, exactly, yeah. Well, it's funny because yeah. we'll talk about um, Street Fighter, that movie, and they actually mm-hmm. created an entire video game based off of the movie. The movie, yeah. With like the actual actors in it, even though the movie was based off a of video game. But yeah, I agree. I think it would be really cool to see more of this world. I, I know they did release a webcomic, I believe, that's like a sequel to this movie. It came out, I think, like 2013 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I haven't actually seen it, but I think it was done in affiliation with somebody that was actually involved with the production of the movie. Um, yeah. and like where they would have taken the story, you know, ha- had this been a mm-hmm. success and all that. So, yeah, I would have loved to see more of this world. I think, again, like cult status, I think people are, are into it now. Like the more they think about it, like, yeah, I want to see more of this world and like yeah. what's going on here, you know? So. It is really mm-hmm. cool. Um, definitely a lot of like dark elements and a lot of cool stuff going on. Um, so we, we talked about Max Headroom, and I, that's like, because first it was like Wizard of Oz. They wanted to do something with, mm-hmm. you know, related to Wizard of Oz going into a new world. And at first they were going to do, do something a little more medieval, it seems like, or just they, yeah. they wanted to go like, you know, fantasy tropes or something like that. And, and eventually they set it on this sort of like punk sci-fi kind of dystopian aesthetic and i think it really works uh, you know i think it's not what you ex- would expect uh 100 not at all mm-hmm. uh from mario brothers but you know that's the way they went that's and that's that's uh, you know i think it gave us something at least yeah i know uh, i'm, I'm glad about. i'm glad I, yeah. I i don't think i think if they had went in the more conventional mario direction i don't think we'd be talking about this movie yeah on this at least on this on this podcast well speaking uh, of yeah, speaking of direction, I want to talk about Nintendo a little bit because we talked mm-hmm. about the stars of the film, the directors, but we haven't really mentioned Nintendo at all, which is funny because this is their property that you know they created mm-hmm. Mario Brothers. So the, Nintendo's involvement with this film, actually, we'll call it like a lack thereof because honestly, they had no interest at all in creative control when it came to the movie. Um, they held on to like branding rights and and things like that. Um, like the commercial rights to it and stuff like that, but and obviously they still have the rights to Mario Brothers. But at the time, uh, when the when they were approached about making a film, they they sort of just put their trust into these filmmakers and said, "Sure, go go make a movie." Um, they were sort of curious to see how how it would turn out. You know, they they at the time I guess believed that Mario was a strong enough brand uh, mm-hmm. to allow for this sort of experimentation. Uh, with another industry so it's sort of like refreshing and i mean i don't think it would ever happen now especially with no. <laughs> especially with nintendo after what happened um but i think they looked at this movie as like sure yeah you want to make a movie out of our video game okay let's let's see what you can do you know and i think they were intrigued by the initial ideas and stuff like that that were brought to them so um they kind of just to, took a standoff approach and they kind of stepped aside and just let them do what they wanted so very interesting um and i think that's a big reason why this movie looks the way it does and is the way mm-hmm. it is because they Nintendo really didn't have much say. They didn't really want to. Um, yeah. But now well, it, I it, think they it might it might have been a thing because I, I just feel like at that point in time and I, you know I could be wrong but it didn't seem like the idea of IP was as prevalent. Mm-hmm. It was it, you know it, it was probably kind of more something along the lines. It of was like, well known, oh, but it wasn't. It wasn't yeah. the powerhouse that it's become, for sure. But you know, it was probably something more along the lines of like, oh, a movie studio wants to give us a write us a fat check mm-hmm. to use the Mario name, and then if the movie makes money, we'll make a bunch of money. Like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, you know, like that sounds. Well, great, also, when you know? you're comparing what you know the film that you want to make to like Wizard of Oz and like Ghostbusters, yeah. they were talking about like when you compare it to these really like iconic successful films yeah. um you know then of course like they were probably talked into it like oh okay this could be cool no, and, yeah, yeah. you know okay, yeah and i'm sure they were shown maybe some of like the early you know concept mm-hmm. art and stuff like that so well i mean even i mean this is one of those movies where even watching like the dailies you would have to be thinking like shit this is amazing you <laughs> yeah know? i mean like, exactly, like yeah. looking at it aesthetically i feel like mm-hmm. it's it, you know one of those things where if you're unless you're watching it beginning to end and kind of seeing that the story is confusing, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. I have no problem with a confusing story, but but you know, for for a kind of family movie, a, a confusing story, a, a, a family movie that was supposed to make a lot of money, yeah. a confusing story is a problem. Um, but like you know, you have to imagine someone who's they're shooting it out of order, as mm-hmm. almost all movies do. And so you, you, if you're an executive and you're coming in and looking at this, these shots that they're getting, you're probably like Jesus, like. Yeah. 
you know, oh, well, Dennis that... Hopper is mean <laughs> and, and the city is beautiful. And yeah. it's like, wow, this, this is going to be a great, you know. Yeah, this looks great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's a good segue, actually, because, you're, you know, now we're getting into the production of the film. And I definitely want to talk about there's a lot to discuss. I'm sure I won't hit on all of it, but I want to just give a little uh, brief overview of, of what went on behind the scenes while they were filming. So uh, even before they started shooting. So the, the script was sort of like a mess from the beginning. There were different there were tons of different takes on it. Um, the, the screenwriter of Rain Man, I can't think of his name right now, but he did a, a version of the script. I think he was actually the very first one to write the script. And mm. it was like a, it was basically like Rain Man. It was like a cross country road trip between these, oh, two, really? these two brothers. And it was like introspective and all this. Like, it's so bizarre to think about, but I think that's really the executives <laughs> looked at that and they were just like, no, that's not. No. So, but to know that that version exists in some <laughs> parallel world is, is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like this independent film, like road movie. Um, so anyway, but they took the idea of the brothers, like that was something that they wanted to convey, like this, this relationship between the two brothers. So that was something that throughout all the script iterations, like there was always there. Um, but the idea for the film did change a lot, and they went through a lot of different uh, rewrites and versions and, and writers, too. I think there's a lot of different writers involved. Um, mm-hmm. Until eventually they got to this uh, script that was, you know, which is very similar to what we saw, but apparently, uh, it, so that was a script that was signed off on by Bob Hoskins and the rest of the actors and everyone, but several weeks before shooting began, Walt Disney came in. And they purchased the distribution rights to the film, and they actually, at the same time, demanded significant rewrites to the script. So, interesting. Again, this was weeks before they were about to shoot, so the sets were already built. Uh, the you know the actors had their lines probably already memorized. You know, it was, it was they were ready to shoot. And Disney came in and said, "Hey, we're going to change a lot of stuff here." Um, so, the director uh, Rocky Morton he said or one of the directors, Rocky Morton, said that the final result of, uh, was a script that was not at all like the script that he and his wife, Jenkel, um, mm-hmm. had and the cast had signed on to film. So everyone, yeah. inclu- you know, that includes the, the, the directors even. So everyone that, the, the film that they had signed on to was not the film that they actually ended up, uh, you know, making, filming. So, yeah. um, so that's why, like, the tone of the script, um, so I, I think the tone was mainly what, what changed because they couldn't change mm-hmm too much like i said the sets had already yeah. been built and all that so um yeah. i think the tone but the tone is is what's so weird it's like it sort of goes back and forth between this family film and like sort of like an almost like an indiana jones adventure film and then there's yeah. like this otter stuff where like when they're in the the nightclub dancing and you know so i think there's yeah, like something much darker yeah like you know? obviously there's something like a lot darker going on um mm-hmm. and like the uh you know the the people on the street that that, that get like basically just get like arrested for no reason and like picketing and stuff like that. You know, there's like these different ideas going on. Um, and apparently there was even a, a scene, uh, John Leguizamo has mentioned it in his book. I think like there was a scene shot with like strippers or something like that. Oh my God. Which like at the time he was like just staring at it. Like this is supposed to be a kid's movie. Like what are they doing? Like, yeah. He, you know, so Although I would, I would low key love to see the R rated. Oh, cut of- so well, I'll get to that later, but there is an extended cut. I do want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. We, we'll get to that for sure. Um, so there are, yeah, so they shot a lot more probably than they even ended up using in the, the finished film. So, um, mm-hmm. but to go back to the actors a little bit. Um, so first off, like, especially out of the main actors, like Bob Hoskins, uh, John Leguizamo and Dennis Hopper, they've all said in later years that, you know, they've come out and kind of said like, that was the worst thing I ever did. Uh, filming mm-hmm. that was horrible. Uh, a lot of them have said, have said some mean stuff about the the director team, the husband and wife director team, um, basically calling them pretentious and um, not open to other people's ideas and kind of just being set in stone about what they wanted to do, uh, even though the actors and everyone else is being told different things by different people. Um, so I think it was just confusing for everyone and not a pleasant set at all. Um, mm-hmm. And John Leguizamo has been especially candid in later years, in more recent years, um, about discussing the film and what went on behind the scenes uh, when they were shooting it. And <laughs> there's a lot of stories. I'm not going to go into all of them, but he's, you know, he's pretty gossipy, that John Leguizamo. He's, he's actually released a couple books that just, I think they're basically just him talking about, like, different celebrities he's met and Tell stuff. Off. Like, yeah. you know, like, just weird interactions he's had with people on sets. And um, on talk shows, too, I know he's talked about 
just how horrible it was uh, how yeah. to film this movie and the fact that um, him and Bob Hoskins were pretty inebriated throughout the, <laughs> the entire filming. Like, I think they got drunk before mm-hmm. their scenes and I think in between takes oh they, were taking, <laughs> they were taking swigs of stuff and they just, I, I guess in order to get through it, you know, because again, like to their credit, they had signed on to a film and what, and I'm sure it was an odd film to begin with, but they probably just thought it was like, Hey, like it's an, you know, it's a family adventure film, whatever we'll, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when they received this completely different script, you know, when they got on set, I'm sure they were, they were pissed about it. Yeah. And you know, maybe this is like their little rebellion or their way to get through it again. It's just, well, you have, you have to imagine for an actor, it's a little different than most other people on a right. film crew You're just to, to get a different script yeah. because you know, when, when, uh, when a movie is really bad, and it's because of like, like when a movie's really bad and the performances are bad, it can kill an actor's career, especially mm. like a big budget movie. So there's there's got to be this thing, especially for John Leguizamo, who you know at that point I don't think he was like like he was known, but I don't think it was he pretty early on. Star. I think he was mostly like a stand up yeah. or one man I mean, show kind he's, of. He's still not exactly like you know a household like like people know John Leguizamo, yeah. but it's not like you know Martin Scorsese. He's like oh I need a lead for my new movie. <laughs> He you is know, good, which would though. be he's cool. In, John Leguizamo oh, yeah, is a really great. good actor. Like when he has, he, I mean, he has one hundred percent said that he is not good in this movie. Like he he admits to that, uh, but I think it's because there was so much going on. Oh yeah, I, know, I, I, I I'm not I'm not. But there's no John Leguizamo. Yeah, yeah. yeah there, there's no slander here. I think he's a terrific actor. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, like you know, it wasn't like he was like. So it's like an up and coming actor, right? Um, and all of a sudden they're changing the script and he's not feeling good about where it's going. Yeah, and he and also like I you know he's he's kind of is as far as i know more kind of done uh supporting roles or mm-hmm. kind of character stuff so yeah. all of a sudden he kind of gets a role that's essentially a lead and i would imagine he's feeling like oh shit you know like yeah this isn't going well and i think it's going to make me look bad like that as an actor would oh yeah early on more, in your career that's like you know? yeah it's like a kiss of death yeah. there i mean yeah. he was working with veteran actors i mean we have dennis hopper which you know he's like a legend at this yeah. point, he was even a legend. And then mm-hmm. uh, Bob Hoskins, who is another veteran yeah. actor. So he was probably mm-hmm. looking at them and seeing how they were reacting to it and being yeah. like, oh, God, Taking you keys. know, yeah. We're, yeah, we're in for it here. But I mm-hmm. think, yeah, I think they tried to just make the <laughs> the most the best the they best could way. out of it uh, mm-hmm. by getting drunk and whatnot. Um, and yeah. then um, there is a, a there's one story I wanted to mention where, you know, they they uh, the Mario Brothers, they drive around in that minivan, I guess. It's sort of yeah. like their, their plumbing van. Uh, so yeah. I guess. <laughs> I'm not sure. Now, I don't know if, if both of them were drunk, if just one of them was. I'm not sure. But w- at one point, John Leguizamo was driving the van, and I, I think he like did like a turn or something. And the, the door was open at the time, and Bob Hoskins had his hand like right where the door was, oh, like, sticking outside the door. And the door like went and slammed just slid over oh, and man. slammed under his like, – I, I mean, he got really injured like on his hand from that. I think there's actually shots in the movie where he has his hand covered or he's kind of trying to hide it because he did get injured from that but that's that's just okay. one you know one story from i'm sure plenty of stories from this set mm-hmm. um you can look it up and, and read interviews with i mean a lot of the cast and crew um in recent years actually not really at the time but later on they started to talk about the movie more i think because it was just so painful for them at the time and it was such a flop when it came out um mm-hmm. it was definitely a financial failure and a critical failure besides mm-hmm. the video uh, the visual effects so yeah, they, they really didn't talk about it till later on, but once they, the actors and the, the crew started talking about it more, they just, you know, would tell all these stories about it, and, and, you know, you start to see how this film sort of formed into what we see when we watch it now. It's, um, it's as odd mm-hmm. as it is, you know, with all, whenever there's too many cooks in the kitchen, uh, this is kind of what happens, I think, with, with a lot of films um, that are considered bad, you know, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was not a good experience for a lot of these people. And um, yeah. but again, you know, I think recently people come back to this movie and, and they see things in it that are interesting or entertaining. And, and they, you know, they, they respond to it better than they did at the time, because I think there was so these expectations were so built up because Mario Brothers, the video game was not again, Jeremy, like you said, it's not what it is now, but it was still mm-hmm. huge. I mean, it was a big deal at yeah. that time. Um, there had been three games that came out at least for the Nintendo and you know, it was the first video game movie. So there was a lot riding on it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was not what people were expecting pretty much. So, yeah. um, but worth watching uh, for sure. I think if, if, if anything um, to come away with at the end of this, I want to say that it is, 
I think if you're listening to this podcast, you you definitely want to take a look at this movie. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's a fun watch. It's 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 one of those ones. You know, we say this every now and then, now and then on the podcast. Uh, watch it with your friends who you like to laugh with. Yeah. Um, but also who you like to have heady discussion with because it will provide both. It's funny, mm-hmm. but it's also just a fun, really beautiful, yeah, like collage you know it's like collage that's, that's, that's a good way, way to, to describe it, it. It's, it's a collage you know it, it, it's yeah. a fun one to watch with friends for sure I, I couldn't even say if you're a fan of the video games you should check this out because really it's it really yeah. is not like the games at all um, no it's it's more if you're a fan of bizarre movies <laughs> you know if you like max headroom blade runner yeah um it's definitely blade a goofier runner. take like, they were going for a family film for sure but you, there's elements mm-hmm. of, of darkness that you that we talked about and um a lot of that comes down to the set design i think and um, so, I, you know, just to, the last thing I wanted to touch on was just, you know, because this was adapted from the video game and it, it's almost like unrecognizable. Even now, when I watch this film, I'm like, oh, that's supposed to be that from the video game. OK, yeah. so I just wanted to go over some of these things because I think they're pretty interesting mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. a lot of the elements from the original game, again, they're there. Many of them are there, um, just not yeah. as you would expect. So you have to look yeah. for them. Um, and they, these are interpretations, I guess, based off, uh, again, the minimal source material that they had at the time um, because there was not much story to draw from. So, so even like their last names that we discussed, uh, Mar- uh, like Mario Mario and Luigi Mario, I don't know if that was even established at that point. They might have just been coming up with that. Um, and then there's the... Uh, okay, so for this is a good example. So in the game, uh, in... And I think it's Super Mario World. Um, so actually, it, there might be like four games that have come out this time because I, I think for the, even the Super Nintendo one might have come out this time. So, um, so in the game, there's this little dinosaur character that Mario can ride around on called Yoshi. You've heard of Yoshi, right? He shows up. I, 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 do know sure, Yoshi I you would know him my... if you saw him. He's like yeah, a very yeah. bright green uh, little dinosaur that that yeah. Mario can ride around on. So there were, you know, dinosaurs did exist in this world um, mm-hmm. of the video game. So, but now, how does the movie explain this? So. Yoshi and all of the other reptilian dinosaur-like characters from the video game, uh, including Bowser or King Koopa, uh, is explained by the plot of the film. Like, it, you know, just the plot of the film itself involving this parallel world with where humans evolved differently um, from dinosaurs rather than primates. Um, they took, you know, they kind of took like, okay, there's a dinosaur in the video game, so how can we take that and, and use that? And that was just one example of that because Yoshi is in the movie, he looks nothing like he does in the video games. No. Um, he looks just like a little dinosaur, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's just one example of that. Um, <laughs> but even the way they they enter the world, and there is a scene later on where they go through pipes. So it's like... <laughs> so the way that the, they enter the world, um, the Mario Brothers, is like even in like... It's in a way that's even tangentially related to plumbing and pipes. But there you go. It's like... They, they go and there's a big pipe there <laughs> and there's even a scene later on where they they're kind of going on like this raft through a you know through this huge pipe and so you go through pipes in the video game a lot so they kind of did include that um and uh so the goombas who are like the main villains in the game just these generic bad guys that you jump on top of um they are in the movie as well and they are like the the generic bad guy in the movie they're the the reptilian mm-hmm. creatures that have been de-evolved using the de-evolver machine, which we haven't even mentioned, but that's another mm-hmm. thing. Um, and then Toad, the character, is a little mushroom-headed character from the video games, and he shows up in the movie as uh, Street Busker for some reason. Yeah, which was really interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's um, pretty much by name only because uh, they, they, they call him Toad in the movie, but really, uh, that's about it. So the, the nod is there. Um, and the fungus, the fungus is also... Uh, it's in the third Mario Brothers game. It's uh, the Mushroom... Well, first of all, it's the Mushroom Kingdom where Mario is in the video game. So they kind of took that and I guess made this more... They related... Uh, they incorporated a lot of fungus. There's a lot of fungus in the movie, which we haven't even really talked about. Um, and actually, mm-hmm. in the third game, the the ruler of the Mushroom Kingdom is... Or one of the, the kings is... like He's sort of like encased in this fungus. And yeah. you have to save him and, and get, it out, get him out of it. Well, and actually, in the movie, they do show the king being like sort of like coming out of this fungus and, and at the end of the movie he comes out so again there's like it's almost like yeah you know you see a lot in movies now like easter eggs and just sort of yeah. like nods to things that are that people know about and there's a lot of that in the movie i mean there's, there's the jumping boots there's the bob mm-hmm. there's uh, this is the last one i'll talk about but 
at the end of the movie, you know, I mentioned earlier in the show um, how at the end of every castle level in the original Mario Brothers game, you'd always have that final confrontation with Bowser or King Koopa Mm -hmm. on the bridge, and he'd always be shooting fire at you, you know, because he's actual, like, he he looks more like a more like an actual dinosaur, like a dragon mm-hmm. or something. So in this movie, they actually sort of have that because they're on. Yeah, no, the that's end, a good point. Towards the end of the film, they're on these steel walkways and Koopa and Mario confront each other. And Koopa actually has like a flamethrower that he's using on Mario. So again, it's like they sort of took these ideas and, and sort of they just changed them in really weird ways. Yeah. Um, and of course, by the end of the movie, uh, Mario and Luigi are finally wearing their iconic red and green jumpsuits. Yeah. Uh, which is something that we'll see again, uh, especially in Street Fighter uh, that we're going to mm-hmm. discuss next. They, it's like it's, it's almost like these Easter eggs instead of like actually just taking the games and adapting them. They just like gave you these little glimmers of yeah. of things from the game. So I thought it was pretty Hints. pretty interesting. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but that's yeah that was pretty much all I wanted to to mention. There's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, again, we we really just hit on the the surface level of a lot of this. And the last mm-hmm. thing I did want to mention. Uh, we brought it up before, but there is a Blu-ray release um, of this film that came out fairly recently, within the last few years, I think. Um, and it does have deleted scenes and an alternate extended cut, actually, with additional scenes okay. added back in. It's actually from a work print, I believe a VHS work print. So not maybe not the best quality, but I think mm-hmm. it was the best that they could have done. Unfortunately, it's only in uh, the European region so far, I think. They might be mm-hmm. working. And actually, I, th- I saw they were working on a 4K restoration of the film. Uh, which will be released in America. So I'll be keeping an eye it, out for that. I think it's. Do you, you know, think it'll get a, cri- a criterion? I wish. That'd be so cool. <laughs> I think so it, cool. You know what? I think it'll get a good release because I think there is that renewed interest mm-hmm. in the film now. And I think. Yeah. And, and for me to see this film, uh, like, in a, looking at it, <laughs> watching it in a much better quality because even the DVD. I actually had the DVD for this film. And oh, cool. The quality is just. I think it's actually notorious for being kind of, like, bad. So uh, yeah. it was not the best quality. So I would love to see like a restored version of it, and I have online. There's some people who have posted things of like a, of restored versions of the film, and it looks great. It looks really good. Yeah. So I would love mm-hmm. to see that, um, and I guess that was pretty much it for what I wanted to discuss. Oh, so the the last thing I wanted to talk about. So we talked about Nintendo a little bit and how they were not involved with with this film. But I believe in 2022, which is this year, uh, they are releasing an animated Mario Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so very, very soon, it will be coming out in the near future. And I'm sure it will be filled with all the worlds and characters and the, and the imagery from the games that people know and love. Um, but I think that will just make this movie stand out even more as something that's really different and unique. Um, and I think you know that the film that's going to come out from, from uh, Nintendo they have like Chris Pratt in it as one of the, like Jack Black yeah. as one of the voices. So, you know, I'm sure it'll be very mm-hmm. slick and I'm sure it'll look great. You know, I'm sure it'll be a very good looking production. And, but mm-hmm. you know, just the fact that we have this early nineties film, this take on the Mario brothers, is just so cool. And it could only happen in the nineties. I think. Yeah. Uh, I wonder, I wonder if we get an Easter egg in the new movie. I hope so. About, about the nineties, you know, about this. I one. hope so. Interesting. Unless yeah. Nintendo's just tried to completely forget about it at this point, but who knows? Yeah. Um, who knows? Yeah, but it yeah it could o- certainly only happen in the '90s. This movie, um, and and actually when it came out, Nintendo like the reception to the film was so bad that they, Nintendo was hesitant to create another film based off one of their properties, up until uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, which came out mm-hmm. in 2019. So yeah. this came well, well yeah. this, this film came out in '93. So it took that long for mm-hmm. Nintendo to even consider uh, making another film based off one of their properties, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that. Is really it now? Oh, one more thing. Trust the fungus. Trust the fungus. Trust yes. the fungus. Okay. Uh, Jeremy, did you have any last words for Mario? Uh, just just a couple a couple quick things. So yeah. one thing that I just want to note was the soundtrack for this movie was wonderfully eclectic. <laughs> it was all over uh, the place. Some yeah. really some really really cool cuts. There's a, a single actually that was released with the movie called Almost Unreal yeah. by Roxette, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. I have a soft spot for kind of '80s '90s mm-hmm. ballads. Uh, but then, just going through this this soundtrack, we have everything from George Clinton to Marky Mark at the Funky Bunch, <laughs> Joe Satriani, Megadeth, Queen. Again, nineties. Yep. Mm. It's 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 all over, which is fun. I I don't know. I think yeah. it's fun. Also, the the song uh, 
with with George Clinton and well, it's listed as George Clinton and the Goombas, so uh, you know that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the song <laughs> the "Walk the Dinosaur," walk, oh, walk right, the of dinosaur. Oh, how could you forget that one? Yeah, yeah, that, it's a jam, definitely. <laughs> it is. You know, I I put that on, I put that on one of my Spotify playlists, so, <laughs> nice. so worth checking out. And then and then the the last thing to note as as we like to talk about movie posters. Oh yeah, this one is is an interesting one because you have this big. <laughs> Metal M on a black background with the brothers, uh, who don't really look in the illustration a whole lot like they do in the movie, mm-hmm. um, which is okay. I'm fine with that. Um, and then they're also wearing outfits that I'm not sure we see them wear in the movie either, but maybe. They might be like their initial outfit. But yeah. then the, the tagline is, this ain't no game. This ain't no game. See, which so even is, from the beginning... They're trying to differentiate themselves. They're trying the to differentiate, which is very telling, which yeah, is very telling. Definitely. Yeah, even so, the expressions but, on their face, the actors' faces is like, oh, God. Yeah. What have we so, done? You know. Yeah. You know, interesting, interesting little things that, that you pick up on in the, in the film itself and then also the materials around it. Yeah, a lot to discuss, a lot to look into. And again, we only kind of skimmed the surface on this one, like, mm-hmm. oddly enough. Um, it's, it's one of those movies, like, you, you can stay up late in bed just, like, reading up on it and... and reading all the different stuff but it's uh mm-hmm. it's a lot <laughs> it's it's something and uh i think this is well this is only the beginning for us jeremy because we're doing the 90s mm-hmm. video game adaptations and next time we're going to be discussing street fighter from 1994 which i'm also very excited to talk about it's like one of my notorious bad movies that i just always <laughs> watch and, and enjoy um and my friend dave who i've he has his own podcast called uh, super movie bros and similar to this movie and uh we have talked i've it's been a running gag that like i always wanted him to talk about street fighter the movie uh so we never got to do it but we're gonna try to gonna try to get him on the on that episode of the show to finally um subject him to talking about this movie so we'll see if that goes through (laughs) or not but um but yeah um i guess did you have any any last uh notes about this this film super mario brothers from 1993 no i think we pretty much hit on everything that i i was hoping to talk about yeah there was a lot to talk about for sure. Yes. Um, but join us next time where we will be talking about more of these 90s video game adaptations with Street Fighter from 1994. Uh, so thank you for listening to Cult Movie Cult. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any cult films you'd like to hear us discuss on the show or if you'd like to officially join the cult, be a guest on the show, please feel free to reach out to us at cultmoviecult@gmail.com. at gmail.com. This has been a Cult Movie Cult, and until next time, so long from the other side.